go one episode without mentioning aliens. <laughs> Even when we're not on the podcast, all we talk about are alien husbands and mail order alien husbands. to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. I'm Seth. And this week we read Love in the Wild by Emma Castle. Um, unfortunately, S is not with us today, so it's just Seth and I to talk about this Tarzan retelling. Um, all right, so what did you think of this book? I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah. I liked it. There yeah. were, there were, it, it was an interesting take on Tarzan I mean not that far from the the original story I Mm -hmm. would say or at least what I think the story is I'm not gonna lie I'm not like an expert on the subject matter but you never read Edgar Rice Burroughs (laughs) yeah no that's exactly like I didn't I'm I'm speaking from like well actually my knowledge is pretty much uh that the newer movie you know like the one oh mine's (laughs) the Disney movie and the newer one well, yeah, the Disney one, but then the the newer one that's like very hot. So that's oh my about gosh. my knowledge yeah. of Tarzan. Anyways, um, I, I liked it, and yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, I think I'm in the same boat with you. I I really liked it. I wasn't in love with it. Um, there was just something that failed to grasp me completely with the story. Um, but like I will say, I had Phil Collins. In my head the whole time I was reading. Why? <laughs> like the soundtrack for Tarzan. Like the Disney oh, one. <clears throat> oh. So like that was just in my head the whole time. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let me play it. So then I ended up playing it and like ended up jamming out. You know what? I feel like that probably made it better. I, I yeah. just sometimes listening to music that's just perfectly, you know, like just the perfect music for that book. Yeah. It just enhances the yeah. experience. And you know what's so interesting? Because sometimes I would listen to music as I'm reading. And, like, those songs I associate now with the book. And, like, it kind of has, like, a different meaning for me. And, like, I just, like, I love it. I love listening to music when I'm reading. I never – I used to do that all the time. And I I stopped for whatever reason. But then recently, um, I I think it was when I was reading um, Kingdom of the Wicked that I – like, I needed to block out sound yeah. in my house, so I put on, like, some dark academia music. Oh, damn. And it was it was perfect. I was like, you know what? This is really enhancing my experience right now. <laughs> You're like, oh, I forgot music could do that. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, back to Tarzan. Yes. Um, what is this book about? Because, you know, it's it's more than just that, I guess. Okay. Well, our Tarzan is called Thorn. Um, mm-hmm. And so basically the story starts off not with him, actually, but with our female lead, Eden. Um, so she's on this track in Uganda in the jungles because she wants to photograph um, some gorillas. So she's with a tour group and, you know, she gets to see some gorillas. And then all of a sudden, 
um, they're kind of they kind of were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, the villains of the story basically are looking for a cave, um, and the poor Taurus got caught in the crosshairs and ended up all dying, but Eden. Um, they all got shot down, sadly. Um, and then Eden gets saved by um, this presence in the, the jungle. And later we mm-hmm. find out that it's a man named Thorn. Um, and then it flashes back to how the he white ended up. ghost. Yes, the white ghost. Because he's like so quick and so strong and. So white. <laughs> 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 Which he actually probably isn't. Like he's been spending a lot yeah. of time in the sun. He you would, would be think tan. he's not that white. But yeah. You know. But I mean, I guess he is. In the jungle, not many animals would be that color, I guess. So. And um, there's not, I don't think there's many white people that like, you know. Track well, it. there there was, and Besides they still Holt. called him the the white goat. I think it's more like, do you often see animals out in the oh, jungle that are okay, okay. white in yeah. color? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so she's saved by Thorn, and she's like, "What the hell is this? What is this jungle man? Where where am I? Like, where am I?" Um. Anyways, so she ends up in a treehouse that he's built, and we finally get into Thorn's. I didn't talk about how he ended up there. But um, Thorne has seen this woman. He's like, she's going to be my mate. But anyways, back to how he ended up on the island. Um, His parents and him crash landed on, like, in the jungle. Um, And the father ended up in this cave that, like, had some sort of, like, mystical presence or, like, power or whatever. And he took um, a stone. And the bad guy of the story named Holt uh, ended up, seeing this and shot down the dad and also killed the mom and left Thorn to fend for himself because they're like the jungle, you know, will kill him off sooner or later. Um, but it didn't. However, he was saved by a mama gorilla, Keza, who takes him in and raises him alongside her own son, Akika. And yeah, so he kind of grows up thinking he's a gorilla, but then later on, like realizes he actually doesn't look like them. And he also doesn't walk like them or eat like them or anything like that so he knows that he's different um and he ends up meeting a man um that teaches him the ways of the humans and like kind of gets him to remember the language again um and he teaches him Swahili as well as like you know everything else that humans do um but then when he meets Eden like years later he kind of forgets that because he's so nervous because he's never seen a female like a human female um but yeah, uh, and then the story continues on with like them slowly starting to know, get to know each other and get to know each other, you know, <laughs> sexually. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, basically that's our story. Um, and then also you find out that he is a lord in England. He is, oh no, he's yeah. an earl, right? He, the earl uh, of Somerset? Yeah, the yeah. earl of Somerset, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his uncle has been looking for him for, you know, as long as he's been disappeared. Like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he gets reunited with his human family and now he has the struggle of where does he belong? Like with the humans or does he belong with his mm. friends in the jungle? Because he's like, he somehow can speak to all the animals and like, uh, you know, that he has bonds and like connections with like the animals there. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. I that know. Was essentially, the whole plot of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, first of all, I want to ask you when you started the book, yes. off of that first chapter, did you think that the book was going to be a lot darker than it actually ended up being? Yes. 
I really thought so. Because, like, all the people that were dying, we got to know um, the two tourists, like, the husband and wife. And, Mm -hmm. like, we obviously saw, like, read them die, not see them die. But, like, it just, like, it started off really dark. And then, yeah, I expected it to be a bit darker. It kind of made me want a book that really explored the darkness of humanity in that sense. Like, the same story, but I kind of wish that the author had delved a little bit deeper into the repercussions of that on Eden. Like, it felt like she didn't really... Like, she had a few moments where she kind of was trying to, you know, come to terms with what had happened. Yeah. I kind of like I feel like it sounded more traumatic than it was yeah <laughs> that, it, you know what I mean yeah um no, and 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 him too like just I don't know I I I definitely expected it to be darker but then turned out turns out it's kind of a sweet story yeah <laughs> so. it was a very sweet story and I really liked the bond that um Thorne and Eden had but like you said mm-hmm. Eden she was affected to the point where she's like you know I need to go back I need to let these family members know that they're Mm-hmm. their parents or whoever went on this trek they're not coming back and like that was I think her only word about you know how she felt about what happened and um I don't know I just feel like if I saw so many people die in front of me I kind of would have been traumatized for the rest of my life um but again I mean it's a story and it's supposed to be a love story at its center and that's what we got yeah no sure I just think the tension between like survival and sort of coming to terms with a traumatic event like that would have been a fun thing to explore perhaps um also it has to be said the book has a really strange structure in the beginning I would say because like so it starts off with Eden in the forest when uh people are killed off and then she gets saved by the white ghost and then from there it goes back in time to um uh, to when Thorn was a baby when his yeah. parents their plane crashed um so that's like 20 something years in the past and then mm-hmm. you even get like POVs in between there from like the silverbacks so like um Keza gets POVs yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like have you ever had a POV from a what no <laughs> but you know I liked it, it worked she made it work yeah like, and I commend um, Emma Castle for doing that because like you said, I don't think we've ever really read a book where, like, a girl is having inner thoughts. It could be really strange, and I think, like, you have to let go of... Because, like, in the in a sense, it's like, oh, this gorilla has thoughts and, like, can communicate sentences, and, yeah. like, you have to, you know, accept that. I mean, that. we don't know what goes on in gorillas' heads. Like, they could well, be sure. thinking in That's full true, sentences. But, yeah, okay, but, like, full-on communicating with thorn and like having a name like is that a concept that animals really understand when they're not civil like um domesticated by humans because like dogs understand that they have a name but do they understand that it is a name or do they just know that that's the sound that the humans make when they want to call them so like would a gorilla in the middle of the jungle have a name (laughs) I don't think so. I think I remember Thorne saying that um, when he communicates with the animals, he gets, like, their feelings and, like, emotions and things like that. So, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know how the name would come into it. But anywho, so you do get POVs from a a gorilla, and then 
it slowly moves towards the present, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. It even goes back as for Eden as well. Like, even her POVs later on go back in the past, like, before chapter one. Anyway, all this to say the structure yes. is kind of murky in the beginning. Yeah. But then I think it takes, like, probably, like, ten chapters till you get to Where you want to be. Yeah, so yeah. that was my problem. Uh, I remember, like, I don't know if you remember, like, in the chat, I was kind of like, you know, the prologue was great, but, like, the first chapter, I'm kind of struggling with mm-hmm. it. And, like, I think it was because, like, the prologue was so action-packed and, like, I was ready to get into the thick of the story and then all of a sudden I'm, like, in the past and Thorne's three years old on a plane and I was like, okay. And so I expected, you know, that to just really, like, just to pass, you know, just to see how he ended up there and then go back to where we were like you know we're with Eden mm. and the white ghost and or pale ghost or whatever and like oh, it yeah. wasn't that and I kind of was struggling with that because I don't know I was so like my adre- my adrenaline was like ready to go and like it was just like okay let's keep going and then all of a sudden I just had to cool down a bit <laughs> <laughs> also you're right it's the pale ghost not the white ghost okay um all right my next question is I'm full of questions today oh I have questions but- too Okay, well, I want to know, because this is obviously a retelling. I want to know, how close do you prefer your retellings to be to the original story? Um, okay, it depends on the story, I think, and what I'm in the mood for. Um, but I also usually, like, if my retellings have something original in them, like something that they're bringing mm. to the table, because I just yeah. feel like a retelling is a retelling. It's the same story. Um, and in this case we had, you know, he was like the protector of the jungle and like, there was like a mystical power and presence and um, the magical cave and all of that. And I thought that was really like an interesting idea. Mm. And I like how she executed it. And I like at the beginning of the story, she even had like um not like a warning, but like an acknowledgement of like, I kind of added these things in. It is very much popular in like Ugandan culture or like Swahili culture. Um, and yeah, so I'm just including it in my story. And I really like that she did that and like kind of prefaced it by saying, yeah, this isn't a story. And if it's not your thing, it sucks, but it's in the story. I would agree with that. I, I like um, retellings that are very, very close to the original Mm-hmm. story but if it does sort of vary from from that I do like for it to bring in like a new element and for me in this case it was more like it was set in modern times yeah oh which yes yes the original one is not we're used to Tarzan being like I don't know like 1800s or so yes. I think is yeah so this one is in modern times which I was kind of disoriented at the beginning because there's I nothing that too. tells you the time period so yeah. I was like is this the like is this in 1800 is it not but clearly it wasn't by the end because there's cell phones (laughs) yeah um yeah but yeah so I guess like that was an interesting twist of like wondering how would a Tarzan retelling work in our you know society like current one so and also like the mention of of him being like the Earl of Somerset I was kind of you know questioning the timeline because I don't think we (laughs) we regard earls or like lords as you know something that's higher Correct. i mean like as maybe they still they do. exist yeah, yeah they, they do still exist but i don't i i have you ever read a modern like a contemporary romance with a duke or an, an earl i mean i read like fictional oh, prince romances yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah <laughs> fictional ones in like yeah. well in the sense of like fictional kingdoms and stuff yes but like maybe not 
like yeah. set in Britain or something. Yeah. I kind of glossed yeah. over it, but um, the magical cave and like the treasure and like everything that came with it. How did you feel about that aspect being put into the story? Because I know we went into this book expecting like, like a full on contemporary romance or like a modern romance. So how did you feel about that? I was going to ask you about that, actually, because it surprised me. Yeah. I I wasn't expecting it, as you said, because I just thought it was going to be a contemporary book. Um, but then, I don't know, I liked it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something I wanted to discuss with you, was like this idea of the magic of nature. Like yeah. how, like is nature sort of magic in a way? And, and does it have a will? You know, and yeah. will it, you know, protect itself yes. type of stuff? Because that's kind of what the book was all about. Like, it, or at least that's how I understood it. It's like this jungle, this forest sort of has not a mind per se, but like there's magic at play and like gods and it has a will and it, you know, decided that um, Thorn was going to be you know it's king (laughs) i guess protector yeah yeah Yeah. so so i don't know i liked it i liked it i i I think it i don't know it's it's it plays on the whole like mysticism of nature yeah which some people believe in so Mm -hmm. and also um not to be that person but also be that person like we don't know what's out there like we honestly like that like they said the jungle in uganda it's like it's uh, impenetrable like it's massive mm. and like you just don't know what's out there and like even in the waters mm. we've only explored like how many percent like five percent of the water who's to say there's not mermaids down there who's to say there's no cranking hot alien men down there we don't know we don't know cranking hot <laughs> course i i co-signed this all right (laughs) we don't know Um, (laughs) but um i will say i kind of wanted more explanation with um the ancient people i like they're they're Mm, forgotten people or whatever and like so thorn would also get um like dreams and visions as he sleeps or like even randomly as he's walking of like what these people did and like what they you know how they lived and like they're the Mm. ones that taught him how to build tree houses like far up into the trees they're the ones that told him how to do certain things um and like he just knew he was like the protector of the jungle like that's just that's what his title was and like um I just thought it was interesting but I kind of wish it was explained a bit more like how that happened yeah I do too I do too because I feel like that would have been an interesting uh world building thing of like yeah how did it come about how did people find this cave I thought it was really interesting as well how Thorn grew up thinking that his parents were gods because his memories he didn't know where they were coming from or why he was getting them so like he thought of them as gods which is so I find that really interesting because mm-hmm. it's like when you're cut off from society and you're living in a world where you have no way of connecting with humans, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they're not around. I don't know, like you would probably find something, I don't know, like something like a memory or if you were to find something of like 
like a modern item that you've never seen before. You would probably yeah. think it's magic because yeah. you've and never And you would try to rationalize that. it with what you do know. Hmm. And I feel like that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, but I just I just thought that was interesting because it's like, yeah, you probably would yeah. feel that way if you've never been in contact with humans, really. I will say, though, I thought it was really sad when he finally discovered the white rock that he kept going to was actually yeah, a plane and a his plane. parents' bodies were in there. And, like, when he finally, like, remembered the extent of everything, like, that kind of was really sad. He kind of, he got, like, a panic attack from it because it was, like, I don't know, because I think that the, you know, this is related to the memories. Like, I think they were scaring him in a way. So like you said, it was kind of like a way to rationalize what was going on, that Mm -hmm. he sort of created these gods in his head. But finding out that they were actually his parents all along and that they had died and that he had been, well, I mean, not really abandoned, but, you know, left by himself in the jungle. Um like it really hit him and like there was a a, like a whole paragraph of just him really i don't know like being extremely panicked about it i know (laughs) i felt so bad yeah he was just trying and 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 this is what's interesting like i believe in the paragraph itself it says that he was trying to run away so like because he's never really been in contact with how do I deal with these emotions? Because obviously we grow up being told yeah. like this is how you deal with uh, fear. This is how you deal with blah, blah, blah. He's never had that. So like his physical reaction to what he was experiencing was to run away because he was trying to run away from his emotions, which mm-hmm. obviously doesn't work like that. But no. that was interesting. Like I think... Like, while I, I wouldn't say I loved the book, I do think it, it it sort of touched upon certain things, like little details here and there yeah. of, like, Thorne's, um, you know, personality or his character traits that I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, it makes I, me think that Emma Castle kind of did her research. Um, She did. In the same um, preface of the, the book, I don't know if you read it, she did say that she did, like, heavy research for this book and, like... Yeah. Not only, like, the jungle and everything like that, but I'm pretty sure she obviously researched things that, you know, someone would go through if they don't necessarily, like, necessarily live with humans or, like, have been brought up by, like, humans. And, like, you're so right because, like, he's never had to deal with going through emotions and, like, having to identify them. I don't even know if he, like, knew at the beginning, like, what his feelings were for Eden or, like, anything like that. I don't think he had the ability to identify emotions and also, like, you know explain them and Hmm. yeah I just felt like it was really well done his character I think I would agree plus it did because you were talking about research it made me go on like a research uh journey because I was like I wonder would would a gorilla actually take in a human baby like that and did you find something out for that and the answer is yes it would. There's there, I, I found two instances where um, one of them was of a kid, like three years, three years old or whatever, that uh, fell into the zoo exhibit. Oh. And a gorilla mom found him and she was like carrying him around really gently Aww. and brought him brought him to one of the service stores on the side, knowing that like this was this would was what she needed to do like she needed to protect the child hold him gently and then bring him to the humans so that they could take care of him that's so Um, sweet and then there was another instance of a silverback male who 
again, another child falling into an exhibit. What is going on? Why are <laughs> just, kids I just even that close? Know. Where are the parents? <laughs> Where are the parents? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he fell into another exhibit and then um, the silverback male didn't touch the child, but he was sort of hovering around like sort mm-hmm. of trying to make the others back off because he knew that this needed to, you know, this thing <laughs> needed to be protected. Um, so he he did that, and then and then he sort of walked away really calmly with the rest of his like family when the the people that work there sort of um, came into the the exhibit to take the child. So like yeah. they understand they do that. Plus, and then. <laughs> Because I was like, okay, so what is the difference between uh, Tarzan and the Jungle Book? And the thing is, did you know that the Jungle Book was inspired by the real story? Yeah, I did know Of that. a child. Like, isn't that crazy? A child raised by wolves? Yeah. That's crazy. So, like, these things could happen. You know what I mean? Like, Tarzan is not that far-reached. Okay? No, they're not. And I really appreciate the research that went into this despite it being like a tarzan retelling like i honestly felt the research that was done in this book yeah another thing i wanted to talk about was and you briefly mentioned this in the blurb i believe but um you talked about how does someone like thorn understand love Yes. Or, or does he know what it is? Or can he identify it? Because, and, and I have a quote for this, because I want to discuss this with you. Like, do you, ha- like, say someone is, has, ne- like, has never been around humans. You know, you and I, we can put words to these things and, like, mm-hmm. you know, we've experienced them. So, like, we know. But, like, how do you know what he thinks? Because my point is, he's been around gorillas all his life you know he talks about his mate a lot blah blah blah. but like do animals like they don't feel love that's like a human thing right so i mean we don't know they have partnership with. i think you could argue gorillas and like chimpanzees and monkeys i feel like they have a deeper understanding than other animals and i think this goes back to like um gorilla like mama gorillas and like their babies they have an intense affection for them that's true and yeah. i would even say it's love like you can see them fully doting on their children you can see them like you know taking care of them you know caressing them like there's so many like instances where you see that and like i do think they have a concept of love do i know like i don't know is it something that they name do they call it love i don't know and yeah, I kind of was questioning how he understood love so quickly. Yeah, is there a difference to them between the love for your child and the love for your partner? Yeah. Yeah, so Eden says, He'd spoken of love too, but what did love mean to a man, a man raised in the wild? Did yeah. he understand the intricacies of falling and staying in love? It was possible here in the jungle that it was easier to, easy to love, but in the modern world, it seemed infinite, infinitely more difficult which is kind of an interesting thing because it's like yeah perhaps it is and that's kind of what I mean by partnership it's kind of like animals sort of they find someone and then they either stay with that someone for the rest of their lives or they change every season or whatnot but 
I, I can, I, like, I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting idea of, like, maybe it is easier to love in the wild where all of the, like, burden of, of humanity are just not present. Which brings up the question, do we still consider a simplified version of love as love as we know it? Because, you know, I'm thinking of, like, kids, for instance. Like, you all, you often hear the sentence, like, oh, it's just young love, you know? And as if that's not considered love because it's not yeah. this, like, complex thing that humans, uh, adults experience, right? Um, and it, it's not burdened by the difficulties of staying in love. Yeah. So, I don't know. I can kind of understand Eden's um, question here because... Yeah, what kind of love does this man experience? What kind of love does he know? Because it's probably driven by instinct and survival, right? Because that's what he knows. That's yeah. Those are the emotions that he's probably been confronted with his whole life. It was just always instinct survival. Um, so... I don't know. It's just, it's interesting questions. Like, is this kind of love different? And does she love him a different way than he can love her? I just, the the answer is not necessarily no, but it's, I think it's cool that she sort of thinks about that because it's like, I hadn't thought about that. And also just the, the, the idea that it's so much, probably so much easier to love, quote unquote, love in this world yeah. than it is out in the real world where our decisions whether it's in love or anything else really are driven by outside influences and what you know we think that they might think of us as opposed to just letting ourselves be wild about it and just you know <laughs> pun yeah. wasn't intended but i'm glad it's there <laughs> Um, anyways, that was a whole tangent, but, um... Okay, so, yeah, so, I just wanted to mention, like, this one line that, um, I don't know how you say his name, Gwen Bale, Gwen Bale, the, his, his human friend that he had met. I don't have his name written down, but, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's, I I can't pronounce it, I have it here, it's, uh, Gwen Bale, I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, so basically, um, he says that to know Thorn is to love him, and to love him makes someone a better yeah. person. What do you believe he means? Like, what do you think he means about that? Well, kind of what we've been saying, in the sense that I, I think that because he's been so unbiased all his life and mm-hmm. unburdened by everything that we growing up are told or just the society how it is you know you have to present a facade as you said and like even with social media nowadays it adds another layer who you are truly versus who you present yourself as and you know the whole like it's very performative (laughs) let's be real (laughs) yes um so so i think or at least how i'm reading it is to be with a man like that who has no knowledge of that type of stuff is sort of makes you a better person because you are forced to let go of those things yourself if that makes sense because to him they don't mean anything exactly they don't change anything for him and he also like would find the good in like the smallest things and he would also just do good for no reason at all and I feel like a lot of people 
that have been raised, um, you know, in the world of like the media and like just the world that we live in today, they kind of do things to feel better. They like have an ulterior motive to do good or like they do good to be praised later. And like, he doesn't do that. Like he honestly doesn't understand that concept because obviously he's never lived it. Um, yeah. So I think to love him is to be a better person because, you know, he has zero expectations. He doesn't expect to be praised or expect to be loved in return or, you know, he was just a good person all around. Because the, the, I mean, the jungle is not an easy place to be. Yeah. In the sense that, um, he mentions at one point that the only loving touch he's ever had before felt before Eden was Keza and Akika like he mm-hmm. never love is in the sense that like love is not something that's given freely in the jungle it's more like predator and prey and that's about yeah. it so so he probably has a lot of love to give I you know, know I mean? he like, does just... give it okay so then okay this kind of ties into another question I had so for Thorn and his um affection for Eden do you think his yeah. feelings would have been as strong if she wasn't the only hu- human woman he's encountered? I've thought about that. I, I, I wonder the same thing. I don't know. Because she was his first. <laughs> Literally, he's his the first. first and she's the only. first female he's ever. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, if there had been two women, yeah, would he necessarily go for Eden? Because, okay. How I saw it was, yes, it was the only woman he's ever encountered. Um, and I really, really loved Eden in the sense where she knew that he was like, uh, like I'm the only woman. Like, this is not okay. Like, I want you to be able to have options. I want you to be able to make your own decisions. And she yeah. kind of pulled away and let him, you know, discover that on his own. But, like, he was already at that point so in love with Eden that, like, mm. He didn't see any other woman or didn't want to see any other woman. And when they had that ball back in England, like he saw the woman and like he saw that they were kind of appreciating him and also checking him out. And he's like, no, I don't want that. It makes me feel kind of gross. I want Eden. Mm, So, I mean, like he kind of had that experience, but he kind of didn't because he was firmly with Eden and firmly in love with Eden at that point that he didn't even want to look at another woman. And this actually... Because there is, it it brings us to another one of the discussions I wanted to have with you. But first, because at the beginning of the book, when Eden first meets him and yeah. he wants her as his mate, like, Thorne is like, right away, first female, let's go. Like, <laughs> this is my only chance. I waited 24 <laughs> He's years all for in. this. He's all in. And she actually asks herself at one point, am I taking advantage of this man? Yeah. Who yeah. clearly has no one else so this is a thought that she was having and then and this is the discussion i wanted to have because later on how do you feel about the um decision that she makes of calling his uncle without his um you know knowledge and at one point she says i came into your life and now what have i done i stole you away from your home from keza from enakika even tembo and obviously his reaction is like oh no this is great because i love you i just want to be wherever you are Mm -hmm. Uh, but how did you feel about that because i do feel like it's a little flowery in the sense that like yeah 
how how do you expect this man to then go back to normal society and you didn't really give him a chance but now he has to go back to this society and like somehow look the part yeah (laughs) like somehow function in this society Okay, this is where I think his um, naiveness kind of came into play. And I kind of felt really yeah. bad for him in the sense where, like, even he had said, like, because we also didn't talk about it. But um, at first he didn't go with um, Eden to the village with the humans because yeah. he just didn't want to. He feared the unknown. Um mm. But then later on, after she ended up in the city of uh, Uganda, he ended up realizing he wanted to be with her and that meant he had to change. And so he associated a relationship with change and like needing to forget or like give up what he's yeah. known in the jungle. And I don't, I don't want to say she took advantage of it, but like she didn't, I don't know how to explain it, but like he knew he had to be with her. So he knew he had to be the, the Earl of Somerset. And that's how he associated being in a relationship with Eden. He knew that if he lived in the world with the humans, he can be with Eden. But if he's in the jungle, he can't be with her. So I think he only accepted it and, like, you know, accepted his family, despite, obviously, like, him falling in love with his uncle and his aunt and, like, wanting, you know, to have him in his life. Um, He associated that whole family dynamic with Eden. So in that sense, it was always going to be him who would have to make the sacrifice in his mind and never her. And doesn't that create a sort of imbalance, like you said, like a sort of advantage that she took? Well, I mean, obviously, in the end, it didn't turn out that way. But from his perspective, he ultimately kind of has to give up everything he is and everything he knows for this relationship, which seems a little bit questionable. But I don't know. I, I kind of felt she took advantage of him. But like, I also think she at the core, at her core, she honestly thought she was doing him good because who doesn't want family members that have been looking for you for 15 years? Yeah, I don't think she needs to be painted as evil for that reason, because it's, it's like she did have her doubts, you know, from the start. Yeah, which you know, she did is, is a good thing. Like she she had those doubts in the beginning about taking advantage and she had them again when she, you know, made a decision for him without, you know, asking him first if he wanted that to happen. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Like the only thing that ties him to, you know, his actual family is Eden. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for her, he never would have you know, left. No, he wouldn't have. And he even, like, I think kind of close to the end, but not really, he kind of says that I miss the jungle. I miss my home. And, yeah. like, he is he's obviously going to struggle in England, man. Like, he's not going to, like, have a good life. He doesn't know how to, like, you know, talk the talk. He doesn't know how to be, like, a lord of London. He just, he doesn't understand that. And he doesn't want to because he sees the fakeness and he associates um the lord and being like someone of like upper class with power and like he's clearly stated he never wanted power he saw what happened to keza's other son or keza's husband Uh, mate mate's son (laughs) um (laughs) and like he saw the power he had and he never wanted that for himself and like he fully said that i could obviously overthrow this um the leader of the gorillas if he wanted to but he never wanted that power and he associated power with like the guns and like all everything bad he never yeah. wanted that and like now he's kind of stuck because even his uncle cameron expected him to take over 
because Uncle Cameron never wanted to be the Earl of Somerset either. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a, I just, I didn't know how to feel about it. But like, yeah. at the same time, you, you, you know, you have to expect it because it's like, it's Tarzan. Tarzan comes back to society at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. just the story. Um, but in the way it was done, I don't know, there was something there about like Eden, which she did that was just like, really? maybe ask him first like what did he think of this like I yeah. get it you want to tell this person that's been looking for him for 15 years that hey he's alive actually yeah um which I liked how it took a while for the uncle to believe her because common sense I think it would yeah <laughs> yeah right like you don't like she had to send him multiple things to prove mm-hmm. that like yeah, no, this is for real. Cause like, yeah. and I don't know. It's it's there's a lot to be said about greed in this book. Like, there, uh, you know, it presents yeah. itself. In that many what, that's what I think the monster of the story is. But we'll get into it. Yeah. Later. So let's not get into it. But that yeah. I think is part of it as well. Yeah. Anywho, wasn't it so cute though when um, he made it to her like where she was staying at and he climbed the fucking wall. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god!" Thor. And then his friend's like, "Nope, there's a door right there." I'm like, he doesn't understand the concept of elevators. Oh, and and I have another point. I love when they actually got re- like you know they did the reun- reunite. What is the word called? Reunion. Reunion. There you go. When they did <laughs> the reunion sex, you know, this man ended up with some new tricks. You know, like you know the wait, what reunion sex? When, you know, he came to the hotel, he climbed the wall and, like, you know, they kind of... Is that when they did it um, donkey style? Or was it No, 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 when he went down on her. And then, um, and then Eden's like, I never taught you this. Yeah, his friend taught him that. I was like, that is so weird. (laughs) His friend told him what to do. (laughs) I thought you said. I was just picturing the conversation in the car on their way to her hotel. No, I really wish we got it. Here's how you go down. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how you do it. And trust me, your woman would really like it. And that was the first thing he did. Yeah. Like, I just go ham, you know? A plus student. Yeah. (laughs) One Bale looking after the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I loved him. He was so sweet. He was such a sweet I love how... I love how his story, you know, talks about how sometimes people fall into difficult situations and some of them are led to, you know, take up jobs that are dangerous or, you know, or morally wrong. potentially, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily make them bad people. It's no. just they're people, they're good people that have fallen on hard times and that was what was offered to them and they needed it because yeah. they have a family to feed or whatever. Exactly. And, and he regretted it. And then and he, he clearly wasn't offered anything else. Yeah. And then he turned his life around and made sure that he was like, you know, doing good and like being the change as opposed to, you know, reinforcing this like yeah. terrible thing of yeah. poaching and such. So No, and I really, really liked his character and I I don't know. I just feel like in situations, this is where, like, other people, like, fail others. And, like, this was a situation where, like, like you said, he fall- he's fallen on hard times. He needed money. He needed to take care of his family. And no other options were given to him. And he was going in the jungle 
to kill gorillas. Like, that's what he was doing. Um, Until, you know, he met Thorne and Thorne kind of, like, educated him. And also, in return, he educated Thorne. And, like, they formed this brotherhood, this bond. And, like, I just, I really liked his character. And I really liked that despite it all, like, him and Thorne really um, found a way to come together. Yeah. Yeah. It was really beautiful, actually. Yeah. And... I don't know. Like, I just, I, I, I find it interesting, though, that Thorne, even though he had such a strong bond with him, never left the jungle to go and meet his family. Yeah. Because like, he was just scared of the unknown. Yeah. Isn't that cute? <laughs> and I guess he just needed a, a girl to push him out of it, yeah, you know? Yeah, he just needed a reason to. But I do like, by the end of the story, he decides to live six months in Uganda and then yeah. six months in England. And I really appreciated that, like, the reason why he continued being, like, the Earl of Somerset was that idea that he could help, that he could use his power and mm-hmm. his money mm-hmm to do good, to help conserve the jungle and, like, help save the gorillas and all the animals that live there and protect them because that that's what his yeah. job was from the beginning of the story, to be the protector of the jungle. And now he has another aspect of that or another way to do that. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect, and I really liked that that was touched upon because, you know, he wasn't being greedy with his money now that he had it. No, because, like you said, he only... He had only ever encountered power in an evil way. Yes. Or, you know, but he realized that, no, I can actually use this for good, which is true. You know, if you have it, use it, but use it for good. Don't be a Holt. Don't be a fucking Holt. Yeah. He was disgusting. I honestly, I really thought it was really, I don't know, I was intrigued that we got his perspective sometimes in the story. He was vile. Yeah. He was so vile. And, like, when he killed Thorne's parents, he was, like, a child, I think. He was not even 20. And he killed people. How do you start off so cruel? Wrong. <laughs> yeah. He was, that man was born wrong. Yeah. And I don't but understand But then he's it. like, oh, I don't kill children, though. Like, what's his moral compass? I don't understand I, it. I don't understand. I don't understand it either. But then but then later on, he was like, oh, maybe I should have killed the child, yeah. actually. Yeah. Like, no, this is not This is not the progress that we want. No. You know, this is not no. how these thoughts should evolve. Yeah. All right. Do you think we should get into what the monster of the story is? Well, first, I just want to mention something because... Okay. So... The, the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the monster is um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the representation of Africa because it is such an issue, I mean, mostly only in Western media of yeah. like representing Africa. Like it's this, I don't even know how to explain it, like remote, uh, barbaric, prehistoric uh, underdeveloped place village which in some cases like there are tribes still in africa that's true but most of africa is actually very modern and, and very like, developed doesn't look the way that people were presented often so mm-hmm. um i liked that this was addressed in the book because the way that she represents africa is not at all like that Um, And Eden actually talks about this. She says, so many people had the wrong perception of African uh, communities. They assumed everyone lived in grass huts and beat beat drums while wearing no clothes. 
there were still some very uh, tribal communities existing in Africa like that, but much of Africa was advanced and the villages and cities were perfectly comfortable, which is true. So like I just I liked how this book did mention that because it's so often terribly portrayed, which just furthers this narrative that Africans are alien, out of date, that they have nothing to bring to the rest of the world, which is horribly wrong. But this continuation of the narrative that we just described helps this this idea that somehow they're lesser than, which I hate and I see it all the time and I hate it. I just, I really do. I think it's gross. No, and I agree with you. And I hate that idea that like African people are uneducated or like they don't have the, yeah. the same um, opportunities or like, as you said, technology that we have in North America or like, you know, anywhere else in the world. And like, yeah, it like I was gonna, I wanted to talk about that too, but like, I kind of forgot, but like, I love that you brought it up. So like, I'm like, thanks. But like, I agree. And I think seeing we saw like two main cities in I think it was Uganda I think they were still in Uganda and and we saw like they were modern they had hotels they had cars they had like everything else like a city would have TVs schools like this is not like she was she even says I think when she first arrives to um what's his name again uh, Buen Ballet's um, village she's saying how like she's the one super underdressed and like dirty and everyone's like in cute outfits like yeah. uh, school uniforms and stuff yeah <laughs> she's like my goodness I really look like I've just spent a month <laughs> a month yeah. in the jungle <laughs> well you kind of did girl yeah so I don't know I mean I think it's really important and I just feel like Across the board, Western media needs to do a way better job of representing other countries. I agree. Or other places in the world. I mean, just think of the stupid stereotype of whenever a movie is set in Mexico, everything is yellow for whatever reason. Or like when you're in any Spanish country, they're all drug dealers and part of the cartel. Yep. Yeah. So let's do a better job. So, So... so, you know, it wasn't like a huge part of the book, but I do like that it's mentioned because it's yeah. like maybe some people have read this book and didn't even know about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really appreciate so, you bringing it up because I think it's something that should be acknowledged. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I think it's time we break the stereotypes and like, why are they still there? Like, I don't understand it. Yeah. More positive and accurate representation of Africa, please. And like other cultures as well, because this is yeah. just unfair. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> now, what do you think the monster of the story is? Well, I feel like we've edged <laughs> this subject a lot. Yes. Um, but I feel like, obviously, uh, the main one is the greed of men. Men mm-hmm. with a capital M, so, like, humankind, because Seth is going to call me out for saying <laughs> I was going to be like, wait, you mean greed of humans? <laughs> um, but yeah, greed is a huge one in this book for yes. sure. Do you want to take it off from here and I'll add to what you're saying? Uh, sure. Um, just like humans desire to want riches and to be rich um, and to have power cause for so many people to die. And like we've only seen a few. We saw like the tourists. We saw Thorne's parents. And we saw like gorillas die. Oh my gosh. When Akika died, I actually started tearing up I because know. I didn't want that to happen. All because of one man. And then we didn't even get Thorne's reaction to that. I was a little sad. It was like his brother just died. I know. 
It was so sad. But so yeah, hard. it was it was all because of one man. Holt just wanted to find this cave and he wanted to find the riches in the cave. Um and it's just like it's disgusting to me that like all of this murder and all of this like, you know, sadness could have been prevented if just this man never existed to begin with. Um but yeah. It just sucks. Yeah, there's a part where um Ethan is talking about the cave and she says that if people knew of the existence of the cave, they would literally burn down the jungle to get to it. Not caring about the life, not care about nature. They would simply want to get to the goal. And that is like so true because we all know that um, the Amazon is being burnt every day. And that's one of the greatest resources on earth and we don't care about it because of greed and another example um that i could bring up um in guyana so where like my grandparents and live and like where my parents are from um Mm -hmm. they found a lot and i mean a lot of oil um and so like they america has made deals with them and like everything else um and like they're trying to drill the oil out as quickly as they can and you know where they're storing it in the water so like there's a lot of oil spills and now the water in Guyana which was like pure and like just beautiful like beautiful water is being destroyed now and like all the animals in it and all like everything like the wildlife and like you know everything like the greenery and everything is being destroyed because of selfish men and women and like just people in general that just want the oil and want the money and it sucks but yeah the oil's leaking into the, uh, the water now yeah it's 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 horrible and then there's another part where um eden is asking thorn why he didn't kill the lion you remember that scene yes and he explains that like in the jungle animals don't kill for fun that is purely a human thing to do like poachers they kill for fun yeah uh whereas animals they kill for safety they kill for food for survival but never for fun so he's like i didn't need to kill the lion he's you know we can run we have the time to run so i mean i think that's another one it's just like yeah this is purely a human thing to just kill end something or someone's life just because you can because you have the money for it it's just and like you said like um Eden obviously saw the the lion as a threat, um, whereas Thorn just saw the lion as you know he is looking for something to eat. He was just looking for his next meal, um, and yeah, I think that's where the difference like truly lies. Like you honestly see how different they are as people, and that like just comes down to you know just not knowing yeah. what you know humans think basically. And not having that mindset that humans have. Yeah, and then later on, he says, uh, we could learn a lot from, he says, them, but animals. Yeah. Um, It was true that the jungle could be merciless, that everything was divided between predators and prey. But there were no wars between these creatures over differences that were skin deep, differences that were so minor that didn't matter, Mm -hmm. matters, which is very true. (laughs) Yeah. Most of our wars are over dumbass shit that, you know, don't make be no sense with. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to bring up like the difference between um, Holt and him. So obviously, we know, Holt was overtook, like overtaken by greed. And both of them knew about the cave. 
And because, I honestly think it comes down to because Thorin was never overtaken by greed and never fell into the trap of, like, being selfish and wanting all those jewels for himself, he could constantly find the cave. And, like, he always would go to the cave and, like, just be there. And then, like, Holt has spent over 20 years trying to find the same cave because, you know, he wanted what was in there selfishly. And the magic of the jungle prevented that from happening. Um, And we also didn't touch upon it, but, like, uh, well, we talked about it. The stone that Jacob, Thorne's dad, took from the cave was the heart of the jungle. What was that about? Because the jungle wanted him to have... The diamond. Yeah, which is why I'm cu- I don't know. I don't know. I kind of wish that was explained a bit. Because maybe the yeah. jungle sensed him to be a protector, like a good man. Hmm. So they allowed him to find the cave and allowed him to find the heart of the jungle. I, I, I don't know, because he, he obviously lost the diamond. Yeah, he died. Unless... So... Unless, like, the jungle had, like, an all-knowing presence and kind of knew the future that Thorn would be forced to be the protector and, like, would be, you know, it would bring Eden back. I don't know. So, it, I, so, so you're saying that the jungle wanted the parents dead? Well, not dead necessarily, but knew later on that they would have would a happen. protector. In Thorn. I just love the idea that, like, this forest was like, no, you're not going to find this cave. <laughs> just hide it. It was just, it was just hiding it. And I love that because it's like, well, maybe, maybe that's, like, a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you, you know, nature hides things from you until it wants you to see them, maybe. Yeah. And, like, I maybe love. Maybe aliens are amongst us. They're just hiding themselves until they can, you know, they choose to show themselves. You Who mean knows? they're invisible? Yeah. Are we getting into the discussion again? No, we're not. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, we even go one episode without mentioning aliens? <laughs> even when we're not on the podcast, all we talk about are alien husbands and mail order alien husbands. Um. Okay, so like I kind of was like glossed over, but like the whole mention of um, Holt, um, obviously having the heart of the jungle, like the beating diamond, mm-hmm. like it legit mm-hmm. was beating. Um, and like my question was, I don't even know if it was a question more like less a statement, but basically, um, as soon as Thorne saw the, the beating diamond, he kind of like figured it out and he's like, you know exactly why you have to find this cave. It's not because you get to take the treasures, it's because you need to be punished for what you did. Mm. But it wasn't him that took it. And I remember now, yeah, it was the dad. So who actually gets to be punished there? Like, who's being punished there? For that well, I, I guess maybe because the dad was supposed to have the heart of the, the jungle because of his son, but then Holt stole the heart from him. Okay. So maybe that's how, that, or that's why he needed to be punished because he, you know, he's greedy. <laughs> and he stole something that wasn't him, his. And he also killed so many people and animals while having that beating heart of the jungle. Did the Frenchman get punished? Cat? No, not Cash. I'm pretty sure he must have died. Yeah. What was the whole thing with, and this is like suspe- suspension of disbelief taken to the max in this book <laughs> towards the okay. end when like both uh, are suddenly... They come back to life, Eden and, and Thorn. Both of them have oh. died, and somehow they're just 
Jack. So apparently Eden became um, a member of the Matrix and like she learned to dodge the bullets. <laughs> so they just grazed her. Um, but he, Thorne, was actually stabbed and like was fatally wounded. But then uh, Buen Bale heard the voices of the jungle and was like, oh, wait, I know what I have to do. So he literally takes him to the cave and leaves him there because he just feels like he has to leave him there. Um, and then he gets brought back to life by the spirit. So I honestly think the jungle was protecting him and like have really like sorry has really strong powers to be able to do that was the heart of the jungle back into the cave at that point yeah yeah yeah. so is that why he was able to bring him back to life like had the diamond not been put back would he have just died i don't know that's a valid question that i kind of hope you know was answered or maybe might be answered later on but I don't know because I remember at Buen Bale saying that he dropped the the stone on the ground and like it lit up or whatever mm-hmm. and then he just knew in his heart he had to leave him alone. Um, and even like Thorne himself doesn't even remember what happened. So like I kind of wanted to know what happened and I don't know if that was just because it's something that can't be explained. Even the author just didn't know how to write something like that. Um, it could just be my human curiosity <laughs> that needed to be a you know, filled with that. But I just, I kind of wish we knew what happened in there. Okay, so greed of men, poaching, a horrible, horrible thing that should not be a thing, period. Yep. Should be abolished. Uh, Anything else? Uh... I was thinking um, that I guess Thorne's sort of fear of leaving the jungle could be part of it. You know, it, it reminded me yeah. a lot of um, Naomi from Dark Needs at Night's Edge by Cressley Cole because in the same way that she's afraid of leaving the house, yeah, he was afraid of leaving the jungle. And in a way, that sort of stops them from evolving to their full potential and like having the life that they mm-hmm. want. Though I guess in this case it's arguable because it's like maybe he was fully content with the life that he had whereas Naomi clearly wasn't and she was feeling very lonely. However, you could also say that Thorne, all his life he had those thoughts of like, I don't belong with the gorillas. Like he could tell that there was a difference between them and like he was saying how... He was being rejected by some of them. His mom was never able to mate again because she had taken him in and like that was badly, you know, seen by the other yeah. gorillas. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, th- there's clearly something there, though. He definitely over overcame it, which is great. <laughs> but he did yeah. do it for himself. He did not do it for himself, which we always call out on the podcast when someone, you know, takes a step yeah. forward but doesn't do it for themselves. I agree with that. I honestly felt like it was something he needs to do for himself, but we also need to recognize he didn't really know anything about the True. world. So you can't fault him for being scared and fault him for wanting to be. I mean, you know, I don't think we fault because him. For it kind of comes down to the whole idea of like leaving your home for the first time. It's scary. Like when I moved to. England actually that wasn't my first instance when I ended up living in Ottawa for a month in like 
it was my second, no, my first year of university. I've never lived away from home at all alone without my parents, without my sister, without anyone. It was scary. And, like, leaving your house and going into the unknown and, like, being with strangers is scary. So, like, I think it just comes down to, like, the idea of, like, leaving what you've known for something you don't know. True. And, you know, you kind of need that push. For me, it was, like, to further my, you know, my knowledge in French. And for him, it was to find his soulmate. So And also, I mean, more of, like, a current example is, like, even just the whole past year where we've all been living in isolation, like, it's gonna be really weird and scary when we go back to normal and we're just, like, surrounded by people and going places where there's tons of people and, like, social distancing is no longer a thing. No, and, like... For me, crowds are not a thing anymore. I I honestly cannot handle going to the grocery store anymore because of, like, the crowds. And, like, that's something – I used to work at a grocery store, you know? And, like, I used to be there literally almost every other day because I worked so much. And, like, now the idea of even just stepping into one is scary to me. Um, Yeah, that was my job through high school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So do you have anything for Eden? For Eden, um – I honestly thought she was trying to do the best that she could. Um, You can't really fault her on her curiosity to go see the gorillas. You can't really fault her for, like, wanting the best for Thorn. Um, I guess you could, you know, talk about, like, what we already talked about, which was, like, her contacting his uncle without his permission. But at the same time, I feel like that's really... really a monster. Yeah, I just feel like it's really nitpicky at that point for me, at least. I feel like it would be more of a monster had she had not had those thoughts of like, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Like if she hadn't thought about that, then I'd be like, hey, girl, making decisions like that for other people that completely changed their lives. I mean, completely changed their lives, (laughs) you know, is not a good thing. But but in this case, like all the way through, I would say she was having those sort of doubts that show that she's really just trying her best and like trying to figure out what's the best for Thorne. Yeah. And I guess you could argue, um, you know, like he obviously Thorne was only doing it because of Eden. So like, was she necessarily doing the right? Because he would always be like, um, if Thorne meets, no, he didn't talk in third person then. If I meet um, my uncle, will you I mean, be he with did me though. In the beginning, he <laughs> yeah. was saying Thorne. Thorn yeah. eats. <laughs> so, like, I, I was going to be like, if Thorn meets Cameron, will Eden be with Thorn? Um, <laughs> but that was kind of his mentality for a majority of the story there. Um, until he actually uh, met his uncle and his aunt and recognized the love he still felt for them. Um, mm. So, in the end, she did do something good, and you can't really fault her for wanting better for Thorn. Oh, and um sort of circling back to the greed conversation because i forgot to mention something but um the whole thing with the the uncle and the many people that tried to fool him Ugh, into yeah. like trick him into saying that they've like found thorn yeah that was part of it too like not all of it is like poaching and you know like some of it is just greedy people trying to get someone's money by yeah. you know using the grief that that person is going through is awful yeah and essentially i mean cameron was getting his you know these people were getting his hopes up again and again only for it to be a letdown for him to be disappointed again for him to have to go through the process of grieving 
his nephew again because he thought, oh, maybe he's alive. No, never mind. He's dead. And I'm better off thinking that he's dead because it's less painful only for this to be repeated over and over again because people are greedy and do not care about other people's emotions like that. Like exploiting grief. Who thinks of doing that? Um, but I also really liked that we got Cameron's perspective as well because I was kind of worried he would be kind of like a villainous uncle that, you know, you know, wanted his yeah. nephew dead so that he could be the Earl and have all the money and the power because, you know, hello, yeah. I'm human. That's the mindset I think many people would have. Um, but clearly not. He was a loving uncle. He was a loving husband and he wanted the best for his nephew. Um, and he also wanted to put the souls of his brother and sister-in-law to rest. Yeah. Um, so... I like that we got different perspectives in, in this book because usually I don't like having more than just the male lead and the female lead's perspective. Yeah. Hmm. But I really Here appreciate it. Here you had a plethora of POVs <laughs> from the gorillas too. So there you go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I feel like talking with you, I have a new appreciation for the story. Oh, well, that's good. I feel like that too. Okay. So. That's good, yeah. Uh, what was her other question? Oh, yeah. Would you would you want to live in this world? <laughs> would you want to? Okay, here's a question. Okay. Would you want to literally leave your life and be dropped into the middle of a jungle with a hot Tarzan? I have to say. We have to add this into the equation or else we're both going to say hell no. Um, with a hot Tarzan, would you? Would I be able to take my Kindle? How are you going to charge it? Would I be able to take my favorite books? <laughs> Would Tarzan so. be able to build me a library? I will say no, but I will say you're allowed books because Eden had a backpack. But all my favorite books wouldn't fit in the backpack. Oh, girl. <laughs> oh, man. I would. Oh, man. See, if he's able to understand the concept of um, libraries and maybe you know, going to the city to get books and bring them back. I'd be okay with that, um, that concept. It's all, it always comes down to libraries for you. <laughs> um, what about you? I mean, I wasn't thinking about libraries, I can tell you that much. I was thinking that <laughs> if you're with a hot Tarzan, you're not thinking about books. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so okay. i don't think i'm made for the jungle <laughs> i don't think Why? i am either i know zero on survival i don't even know how to start a fire um i don't even know how to like do cpr and stuff yeah and like I, I don't even know how to start a fire and my dumb ass would drink any water i find we would die yeah. in 30 minutes <laughs> secondly or thirdly or fifthly or whatever i don't even know how to swim so huh wait well, i don't know I what? Know, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> so I would prefer to be dead. I mean, I'm not like a great swimmer. Like, I'm okay, like a... I could like, I could float and like, I could maybe like do a doggy style swim. Wait, but, you like, can float, but you can't swim. No, like I can float like, you know, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> like, you know, they teach you in like first year of swimming class. Like, cause I went up until like, I think my second year. Um, Anyways, so basically I can float on my back and float on my front. I can't float on my front like a dead body. We all yeah. did that as a kid. Like, I used to do that all the time in, like, <laughs> pools and, like, scare my parents. Um, 
Okay, well, Seth is not a great swimmer, everyone. So sw- <laughs> Seth would maybe drown. <laughs> well, I mean, if I have my Tarzan man, he can just, you know, guide me to wherever we need to go. Like, just grab my hand. Or just, like, go on his back. Or, like, his front. Or, like, you know. <laughs> but I just need the library. So, no libraries in the jungle, I don't think. Um, so, so, I guess the answer to, to that pass. is... We'll have to pass on Mr. Thorne, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So this is it for this episode of Romance and the Monsters on Love in the Wild by Emma Castle. Uh, you can find us on social media at um, Romance and the Monsters Pod on TikTok. Also, Romance and the Monsters Podcast on Instagram and the RTM Pod on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Foes and Lovers. And you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And... I was going to say, I always want to say Pros with Woes now. I don't know why. <laughs> it's because you want to be me. Oh, sure. <laughs> also, um, if you like what you've heard in this episode or any episodes previously, please feel free to leave us a review or any kind words on any social media platform or just like if you just want to give us a thumbs up or a heart on SoundCloud, whatever you want to do. We great, like greatly appreciate it. Um, any, anything would be great. I sound like I <laughs> How many times can you say great? <laughs> we're great. Don't you think we're great? This is a great podcast. Don't you want to say we great? that you think it's great? I don't know. I don't. Do you think it's great? I don't know if it's great. Leave us a great comment on the great SoundCloud. Say a great heart. <laughs> Anyways, this is turning not great. <laughs> I don't know. I could say it's still great, but whatever. Um, anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week with another one. Bye. Bye.